Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. It's one o'clock on Thursday, February 22nd, and it's been a fairly breathless week that is about to come to an end for us. School will be in classes on Friday, but we will take some time to decompress. Today we have Emily Mahoney with us again to talk with us about the latest things going on in Tallahassee and around the state in the aftermath of last week's shooting, and it has been quite crazy. Emily, welcome back to the podcast. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me again, Jeff. Um, Yeah, yesterday was kind of the pinnacle of all of it, and it was anything but a normal day here at the Capitol. It was actually pretty extraordinary up here. Uh, There were thousands and thousands of people that marched in a big, huge rally that happened just outside the Capitol building. Um, The rally featured Parkland students who spoke at the podium, also Democratic lawmakers calling out uh, Republican lawmakers for not hearing the assault uh, assault weapons ban. And it was it was kind of a frenzy. People holding all these signs, bashing the NRA, saying that we will not negotiate. That was something that one of the speakers said, that we will not negotiate. It is no longer time for a compromise. The time is now to make huge changes. And that includes banning assault weapons, which is something that definitely looks unlikely to happen in the legislature uh, because they, the Republicans declined to even have a debate on it on the floor. And uh, it hasn't gone through any of the committees and Usually you can't have a, you can't bring a bill to the floor unless it has gone through previous committees. So it, it really doesn't look like it's going to happen, but, uh, that, that is what they are demanding. And, um, meanwhile, there were tons of other Parkland students who were meeting, uh, with various lawmakers, including the governor, including the house speaker, Richard Corcoran, and including the Senate president, Joe Negron, um, asking tough questions from what I hear and kind of nailing them down on what specific policies they plan to enact, uh, what their specific positions on positions are on various things. And, uh, it, it, they are really a political force. These Parkland students kind of overnight, they're applying a lot of pressure. And I think, I think the lawmakers are up here are starting to feel that pressure. It's interesting that it's taking effect out here in the counties as well. I was in a high school this morning where they had a walkout yesterday. The students in solidarity with those Parkland students, the ones who they couldn't get to Tallahassee, but they still wanted to have a have a voice in what's going on here. And after the principal came on after yesterday's walkout, she came on this morning and she said, I know you guys want to have a voice and we are going to look for ways to let you have that voice. We're going to have our student leaders work together. The principals are going to gather. We're going to find ways for you to be involved and and get you out there. Uh, she said that the schools will recognize what they are now planning to do, monthly walkouts for 17 minutes to recognize the 17 people who were killed in that shooting. And uh, they're really seeing that students want to have a voice. I spoke with one from Land Lakes High School who said, we want people to know that, yes, we are out here, we care, and, and we want to make a difference. 
Yeah, that is really interesting. And and the rally yesterday that took place was almost all college and high school students. And there were some families there as well, parents who pulled their elementary or middle school kids out of school, got excused absences to kind of bring them up and see what was going on. So this is definitely fueled by young people, that this is their their moment, their time. And that's what everyone keeps saying. Well, I saw them in the gallery while I was watching on TV, but you were there and they had an influence on a lot of the things that were happening, not just on gun legislation, but on all sorts of related matters. You sat in on the Senate discussion of House Bill 7055, where Senator Thurston had brought up an item on wanting to amend it to include school resource officers in every school. And Tell us what happened there. You, you saw it firsthand. I just was watching. That's right. It was it was a fascinating moment. Uh, the senators were debating, like you said, this Thurston Amendment, and Thurston is a Democratic senator, um, that would add school resource officer training, uh, school shooter training to as a mandatory program for schools to develop for their school resource officers, which are the armed police officers that you see on some school campuses. And they, a lot of senators were saying, you know, we don't necessarily need this amendment right now. We support the idea, but, uh, Senator Galvano and Senator Simpson are drafting a huge overarching proposal that includes this and all sorts of mental health, uh, provisions and basically a comprehensive response to the Parkland shooting. And so a lot of senators were saying that we should hold off on passing this, um, to give those other senators a chance to see what they have in their proposal. And then this group of students from Parkland and other schools in Broward all walked in and they didn't say a word. They were silent. They filed in. They sat in the front row and, uh, Senator Farmer, who represents that area, um, announced that, you know, that that's who these kids are and we're honored to have them. And all of a sudden, the debate kind of changed its tune. Um, Senator Lee, who's a Republican, suggested that they pass the, the amendment out of respect for the students that were in their presence and to send a message, I believe, was the phrase that he used. So it was really interesting. I think that they did change the course of that amendment. Um, they also changed the course, it seems, or at least the Parkland shooting in general, changed the course of a um, an, an amendment also by Senator Thurston to remove the teachers union language from 7055, which has been extremely controversial. Um, and he, so he originally had filed the amendment to remove it from 7055 and it didn't look like it was going to pass, but he invoked one of the teachers who jumped in front of bullets to save students in Parkland. And so these, These people are the ones we're targeting with this language that would put more requirements on teachers unions to be recertified. And they did a, he forced uh, a roll call vote. So each senator had to say their vote individually. And it seems that a couple Republican senators turned their vote, um, and it actually passed. And so that language was removed. Um, so it seems Parkland really is having an effect, like you said, on, on legislation that isn't just related directly to it. So, and it wasn't just in those committees, too. It seemed to be getting invoked everywhere. And I'm going to play just a teeny little clip from what has turned out to be our biggest story so far this week for the past several hours, practically a full day, on the House passing a bill on adding the state motto, In God We Trust, to all of public schools. It has to be posted in a conspicuous place. The House sponsor is Kimberly Daniels, a Democrat who's also a minister. And here's what she had to say just briefly. Few would disagree with me that God is positive. 
He's not a Republican and he's not a Democrat. He's not black and he's not white. He is the light. And our schools need light in them like never before. During that conversation, as she was introducing the bill, she talked about how we have problems with guns and we have problems in society and the schools are, are living that, but we have to get to issues of the heart and we need to bring in the light and God became part of that discussion and, and we need to bring back God. And I don't know, did you get a chance to watch that? It was pretty interesting to me. Nobody really said boo on it. There was no opposing debate. It was just her speaking for about five minutes and then a, a huge vote in favor and a standing ovation. Right. Yeah, I did. I actually watched that take place on the floor and it was an interesting debate. Uh, it's similar to what I saw before Parkland happened. Um, a lot of senators on both sides of the aisle are um, pretty religious and uh, I think a lot of them see this as a way to subtly, but, um, you know, in a small way, just kind of have a reminder of the underlying faith that they have. Uh, but definitely mentioning Parkland doesn't hurt anything, um, especially because, like I said, it, like we said, we're talking about, it seems to be influencing so much. Are there other things that you saw this week? I mean, we can talk about the gun shooting and the aftermath probably for five hours and just keep going. But there are other things happening as well. Uh, are there other things that you that struck you in the legislative debate this week that, you know, we haven't touched on yet or that we have but need a little more expansion. Well, one thing that's been interesting, and, and this is kind of tangentially related to education, is the fact that negotiations, budget negotiations have not started between the House and the Senate, and they both passed their budgets individually on February 8th. So it's been almost two weeks now, I think, today, uh, since that happened, and they still haven't started reconciling their numbers. And yesterday, House Speaker Richard Corcoran had some pretty harsh words for the Senate. He called them kindergartners and said they need to grow up and start negotiations. And there's speculation that the reason those haven't started is because the House has not yet taken up SB4, which is the large higher education funding package that is a huge priority of uh, Senate President Negron. And so we haven't had that confirmed. Uh, the Senate Appropriations Chair, uh, Rob Bradley, he said he refused to, neg to negotiate through the media. Um, but that could be a hang up. It, it seems that, you know, they are constitutionally required to pass a budget and this is a huge step toward getting there. And, uh, so far it hasn't started. So they're kind of in a deadlock. And, and as a result, we can go back to 7055, the House big priority bill, which is supposed to go to Senate appropriations next and it has not yet been scheduled. Senate appropriations is meeting today, which would have been a likely candidate for that meeting to take place. And, um, they did not hear that bill today, and it's not yet an agenda for next week's meeting, which could possibly be the last Senate Appropriations Committee meeting as well. So I don't know. I mean, are they going to if they don't have a budget, could things extend out and we could wind up not being able to say that bill is dead yet for a while? Well, we actually spoke to the uh, House Appropriations Chair, uh, Representative Trujillo, and he he said that regardless of the budget, um, he said that it's not unlikely or it's not inconceivable that the, that the session will last a couple extra weeks. 
um, just because they are throwing these these huge proposals together to respond to the Parkland shooting, which is kind of just given the entire session a, a big 180. Um, I mean, gun issues weren't really a part of the debate this year. There were some small gun bills, but they were expanding gun access, uh, such as allowing people to carry guns in churches at, following the Sutherland Springs shooting and things like that. But uh, the shooting has just completely kind of caused the the legislature to take a pause and to take up these issues and uh, beef up their original mental health proposal to add more counselors in schools and to talk about restricting gun access to the mentally ill and those under 21. And, and so I think the session could go long just because of that. Um, so we'll see. It gives us more time to see what they're going to do with all these bills. The House seems to be moving some of the big pieces that it likes from 7055 into other bills. The Senate has changed its version of 7055 to add what it likes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're going to have to have some sort of conference and and conversation about what actually will get through to the end. And in the meantime, like you said, this gun legislation if it comes through, has people talking already. One of the big items that they're talking about now is the possibility of arming teachers. Could you talk a little bit about what happened with that bill and where it actually seems to be going right now, if anywhere? Well, yeah, it's not really moving too much. Uh, I believe that bill was temporarily postponed, which is the same as the, the other bill I mentioned about carrying guns in churches. I think, uh, it was probably considered to be in bad taste to discuss bills like that while the Parkland students were watching um, and were demanding kind of the opposite approach. Um, but now that those students, they packed up and left and went home last night. So it'll be interesting to see how much traction that gets in the remaining couple weeks. I saw that the president stepped forward on his CNN aired Um, event at the White House and said that he would support having trained armed teachers in schools. And I thought I saw that Senator Galvano also said that that might be part of his package to have teachers who have concealed carry weapons and who can get some training also be involved in that process. There have been a lot of bills. It's been talked about on national radio, national TV, Fox News, NPR. So it's still alive out there, isn't that right? I mean, even if it's not like that one bill? It's definitely a, a, a lively topic of conversation. It's definitely not um, something I would rule out at this point. I'm not sure if it's going to be in Galvano's package. I know that he's mentioned um, beefing up um, the armed police officers on campus, but it seems to be like a moving target at this point. Their, their final plans should be released tomorrow, although they originally said today, um, but it We've heard that they need to be in um, their the respective rules committees on Monday. So it seems like we'll have to get some more details tomorrow. I saw one other bill that was interesting. Representative Burgess, Danny Burgess, put something forward that would allow for added retirement benefits for off-duty police officers to go and work in schools as substitute teachers, perhaps. And then they would be able to be armed people in those schools who are trained law enforcement officers also doing something to help schools, which is fill open classrooms. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. I I don't know if that has any traction. You know, that's not something I've heard yet. There are so many interesting ideas bouncing around the legislature right now. I mean, 
we we did a, a bureau-wide survey of the entire legislature right after the Parkland shooting happened. And we, you know, ran around the Capitol asking uh, representatives and senators the same three questions about how they feel about restricting access to um, semi-automatic weapons and high-capacity magazines and what they think really is the answer to this problem. And we heard generally similar sentiments. A lot of, a lot of the lawmakers up here really want to focus on mental health, on beefing up mental health programs in schools, but also expanding background checks to include information about mental illnesses. Um, a lot of lawmakers are also on board with adding more armed police officers on campus. But we also heard some interesting kind of more obscure ideas. Um, people talked about taxing bullets. People talked about um, looking at antidepressant drugs that might have serious side effects of making people have suicidal thoughts and maybe we should regulate those more. And so I don't, I don't, it's, it'll be really interesting to see what's out in these proposals tomorrow. Uh, there's just so much going on around this topic. Like I said, it's kind of caused everyone to take a pause and uh, evaluate where they stand on all these different issues that weren't really coming up previously. Before we end, I just want to point out one thing that we haven't talked about at all. I didn't write about it. It just came up. I, Claire McNeil, our higher education reporter, has been covering this issue of free speech on campuses, college campuses, and that legislation has been out there to make some changes to the rules. Could you go over a little bit about what is being said, just briefly? Sure. So there's a there's a big debate over over these two corresponding bills in the House and the Senate. And uh, Senator Baxley is the sponsor of the one in the Senate. And I was there for its committee hearing and Senate Judiciary the other day. And he says that the goal of the bill is to expand free speech on college campuses. Um, and the reason I couch it that way is because a lot of college students and the big union for uh, faculty of, on university campuses argue that it would do the exact opposite of that. Uh, what it what it does is it... Um, basically would make would outlaw these so-called free speech zones that some universities have um which are designated areas on on university campuses where students are supposed to be able to hold rallies or events um i guess without having to seek as much prior approval as they would if they were holding it in a more centralized area on campus um and senator baxley argues that those are actually limiting free speech and forcing people into a little box where they're only allowed to voice their opinions in this little box. And therefore, uh, that's not really free speech and, and universities should be a marketplace of ideas. Uh, but it also does something that's been more controversial, uh, which is create uh, what's called a cause of action, which is basically a reason for a lawsuit um, so that people could sue universities um, or even possibly individuals for materially disrupting any kind of scheduled uh, event on campus. And so a lot of people, a lot of college students are upset about this. They came and spoke at the committee hearing, said that uh, it would it, it kind of brought back memories of when Richard Spencer spoke at UF and people booed loudly so that they so that he couldn't be heard and he couldn't talk about uh, his white supremacist ideas. And so uh, they're saying that this bill would take away their right to shut down opinions that they that they don't agree with. Um, and Baxley is saying that, you know, everybody has the right to free speech and we need to allow people to voice their ideas even when we don't like them, because that's what colleges are about and that's what the First Amendment is about. 
And so that's been extremely interesting. It really comes down to kind of a philosophical issue about the First Amendment. It, it's definitely bigger, a bigger conversation than just this one bill. And, and I'm glad you point that out because as I listen to the House debate the same bill, it was really fascinating to hear the two two really distinct points of view on freedom of speech and rights and where your rights pick up and my rights end. And so rather than me talk about it, I found it really fascinating. I pulled comments from two legislators, both of them black, both from opposing parties, and and they have very distinct views. And, and I thought it was interesting to hear from them because they both could talk about, you know, what it's like to be discriminated against. They know. And here's what they had to say. First, you're going to hear from Representative Byron Donalds, who's a Republican, and then Representative Chevron Jones, who's a Democrat. But if I have the ability to intentionally stop you from speaking because I disagree with what you're saying, then what can I not do to you? Freedom and liberty is a, is a, is a very important thing in this society. It was told to me that liberty, what liberty truly is, is the freedom to do whatever I want, but respecting your proximity to me. That's individual liberty. I'm free to do what I want, but I can't harm you in the process, no matter how distasteful your speech may be. I do believe in free speech because free speech is what has, what has gotten me here. And so I'll say this to uh, my good friend and colleague, uh, Rep- Representative Donalds, and we do have that ability, that God-given ability to speak and say what we want, but even Jesus flipped the table because he didn't like what was being done in the temple. And so I refuse, because I'm going to be honest with you, as a millennial who believes in disruption, there is no way I would sit in a room and listen to a Richard Spencer, Richard Spencer and say to myself that I'm going to be quiet just the same way as he has the right to come spew racial rhetoric I have the right to disrupt what he says. So so that was, I mean, to me, a really fascinating conversation. And, and I wonder if that bill is going to go anywhere. I understand in the Senate it did not move, although in the House it did. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was actually really interesting. The bill was about to get voted down. Um, it had, I, I can't remember the exact count. Maybe it was six to two. I don't know. It, its odds were not good. They took the vote. Um, several Republicans voted against it. And right before... The staff member announced the vote. So once everyone voices their vote, the staff member usually says, and with a vote of six to two or whatever it was, uh, the vote, the, the bill is not reported favorably. And that means that it, it's done. And, uh, right before they announced the results of the bill, however, um, Senator Renee Garcia, who's from Hialeah and he's a Republican, he motioned to temporarily postpone the bill. So it essentially uh, made it so that the vote never happened and kept the bill alive. And he told me afterwards he did that as a favor to Senator Baxley because he knows he's working on it with with the universities and he's trying to make it a bill that everyone can support and uh, just wanted to give him more time. So it probably won't ever come up in Senate Judiciary again because I'm not sure that committee will ever meet again this session. But um, it at least keeps it alive if the Senate version goes through and could still maybe happen. Well, this has just been a crazy week. I mean, like I said before, we could probably talk endlessly about the variety of things that happened during this week, but we're not going to. <laughs> we're going to stop here unless you have anything else you'd like to add for the good of, for the good of the listeners. Anything, Emily, at all? 
Well, I would just like to add one more thing about um, one of the Parkland students who I happened to catch up with in the hallways um, after a committee meeting, the one that the Senate education that they that they came into. And uh, she was really the only Parkland student that I had the opportunity to speak to one on one while everyone was here. Um, uh, we had other reporters, of course, in our bureau speaking extensively to those students, but my job was a little bit more on the political side and following what was going on with the laws and the legislature. But I mean, really what everyone is saying about them is how eloquent they are and how um, kind of extraordinary it is to have someone, ha- to have people so young and so directly impacted become advocates on this because they are so much more effective than, uh, you know, adults who have are paid by an activist group to spout a certain message. And I would definitely echo that um, the student that I spoke to, her name was Melissa, and she's 15. And her geography teacher, uh, Mr. Bagel, was one of those who was killed in the shooting. And uh, I would just like to take this opportunity for all of our listeners to hear a little a little snippet of what she told me in the hallway, because I, I found it um, really moving. Well, I experienced everything. I was there on the first floor. I, like, I saw everything from the beginning to the end. And I feel like it's really important for us to be here to make a difference because no child should ever have to go through everything we had to see and hear in those hallways. And no child should ever have to be afraid of going to school where we are there to learn, not to, you know, see whether we're going to survive today or not. There is just nothing else that can be said after that. So, Emily, thank you for joining us after your stint on BBC yesterday. <laughs> yes. And, thanks. And we will probably do this again next week. So be ready for it. All right. Sounds good. See you then. That's the end of our podcast for this week. If you'd like to participate in this conversation or any other, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To follow the latest in all of the education breaking news in Florida, go to our blog, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. And again, I'd like to remind you to please give us a rating on our iTunes page. If you like the podcast, it will help other people find it. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.